Are you tired of thinking you found the right partner only to find out you were wrong again? Are you having a tough time establishing a long-term relationship or building a family life that is thriving and enriching? Let relationship and family coaches Weldon and Debbie help you find that ideal mate or build the kind of relationship you've always wanted. Great relationships and families don't happen by chance, so don't take a chance with yours. Let Welton and Debbie equip you with techniques and provide guidance for establishing a solid foundation for dating, a long-term relationship, and a successful family life. Now, your coaching hosts, Uncle Weldon and Aunt Debbie. Welcome back, and thanks to those who listened to our last cast and provided feedback or told others about it. Now, we hope that the broadcast helped you start the process to getting your personal and household money matters in order. Let's do a recap from last week. We talked about money does matter in a relationship. And one of the things we talked about is that poor money management is the second leading cause of divorce and is the impetus to the ability for a family or a couple to obtain and keep wealth. And despite the importance of this, money management is not talked about in the average home or is it required learning in secondary schools. And you know, developing good management practices is critical to the success of any marriage and household stability. And remember, having a high income is not the same as having wealth. See, wealth is not dependent on what you make, but what you keep. And it is determined by subtracting all of your debt from all of your assets and then seeing what it is that you have left to live off of. So it's not a matter of if you have a high income, it's a matter of how much do you spend of that income. And within a marriage or a household, good money management involves several elements. One of them is oneness. It's important for you to bring your income, your debt, and your investments and material possessions into the marriage. And next, there's transparency. And simply stated, that's putting everything on the table, not hiding any of your income from each other's savings, investments, or in a debt every possession that you have is revealed to your mate. And the last thing is togetherness. And that's having a financial plan for your household and being willing to work together to achieve that plan. It is also important to develop and follow an annual spending plan. The spending plan will help you to know how you spend your money. And it also helps you to plan for your financial future. Last week, we recommended a book for you. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Coulson. Now, we chose the audio version of it because we could listen to it together when we would travel. And it also gave us the opportunity to discuss different principles of the book. If you'd like to hear more details on this subject, we invite you to listen to Broadcast 5, Money Does Matter in a Relationship. Before we get started in this week's discussion, we want to remind you that it is not the intent of this broadcast or the guidance we provide to replace the services or treatment of professional counselors, advisors, or mental health providers. So let's get into our discussion. In 1989, Grammy Award-winning singer Luther Vandross released his immensely hit song, A House Is Not A Home, 
And the words in the second stanza of that song goes like this. A room is still a room, even when there's nothing there but gloom. But a room is not a house, and a house is not a home, when the two of us are far apart, and one of us has a broken heart. Now, I thought about singing that song, but I'm trying not to lose any listeners. So I decided to read it instead. But we felt these lyrics were appropriate to begin this discussion about the home. Because when one or both of the partners in a house are not happy, it's hard to make it a home, an inviting place where they desire to be or where their children feel nurtured and they desire to be there. And when it's not a happy home, it causes one or both of the partners there and the children not to want to come home and spend their time in other places. So when you think about your current place where you're living, what thoughts or feelings do you have? Are they thoughts of peace and love, joy, comfort, protection, or rest? Or do you think about or feel fear and anger, restlessness, or loneliness, more work or frustration. So many couples put tremendous effort and money into planning the wedding and the honeymoon, but they spend very little time and effort in planning their life together after the hoopla has died down and real life has begun. Back in 1987, I had a friend that got married and the amount of money they spent on the reception back then was $12,000. So you know, that was quite a bit of money. The sad thing about it is they were never able to establish a home after that. They put a lot of effort into the planning of the wedding, into the reception and into the honeymoon, but they never really established a home because they failed to discuss a lot of key elements that would be a part of their lives after the honeymoon. And the really tragic thing about it is they end up divorcing after one year of marriage. When I provide premarital counseling to a couple, some of the things we talk about are the roles of the man and the woman in the marriage and in the home. And it's not about deciding who's going to do what role in the house, like the cooking and the cleaning, because some of the roles are based on a person's upbringing and their experience that they may just naturally gravitate to doing a particular thing. Culture also plays a role in how we establish those roles within the home. Now, I also provide them with two handouts, and they are keys to a happy and strong marriage and things to consider before marriage. And some of the things that are on there are things to consider like religion, the quality of time you're going to spend together, the vacations you may take, your finances, uh, how are you going to do family visits around holidays, also child care, how are you going to take care of those things. There are also things like understanding the roles of how you're going to deal with the discipline of the children and also the needs that both of you may have. We also talk about how to make your marriage strong and how to have a stable family life. And one of the things we mentioned is you have to be united in purpose. You have to be faithful to each other. You have to be committed to one another and understand and celebrate the differences that you have. And you have to choose to love one another. 
Love is an action word and not just a feeling. Also, supporting one another and maintaining a healthy sex life. So what we've learned is a large part of what makes or breaks the happiness and the peace in a home are the choices that you make and the actions that you take. Just because you have justification to do or say something doesn't mean that you should. Proverbs 16 and 32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You see, part of having authority is knowing when not to use it. You can win every battle and still lose the war of a solid, happy relationship. You know, what causes confusion and controversy in a home can many times be avoided. Things such as putting your needs above that of your mate and always wanting to have things your way, not contributing to the operations of a home and just allowing your mate to do all the work, Uh, wanting to be served rather than being one who is willing to serve. And then having a win-lose mentality. And in a home, that can be very detrimental. Also, not accepting your mate for who they are and trying to make them a mini-me version of yourself. How about comparing your mate to someone else? How about putting the needs of the children above that of your mate And just totally tuning them out and making excuses not to provide for them because you're too busy providing for the children. And then being deceptive or mean in your communications, always making remarks that you know are going to get under the skin of your mate. All of those are causes of confusion and controversy in a home. So here are some things that promotes unity, love and peace in a home. And these are things that Debbie and I exercise or practice on a daily basis, putting your mate's needs before yours. With Debbie and I, we are constantly trying to please one another. We always put the needs of the others before ourselves. So when it comes down to doing things or making decisions, we always say, well, what would be better for my mate or what would be better for each other? Being responsible for yourself, that means not expecting your mate to be responsible for everything that occurs with you during the daytime, like feeding yourself, dressing, being willing to ensure that you have what you need to do certain things. Be responsible for yourself. Pick up behind yourself, clean behind yourself and not expect your mate to do it. Also, the small things, thinking about what it is that pleases your mate. Like I know that Debbie loves fresh flowers. So what I do is I purchase her fresh flowers on a weekly basis because I know she likes it. And it's those small things that make a difference. If you know that your mate likes a certain type of food or they like a particular uh, type of event, then go out of your way to ensure that they can experience those things on a regular basis. How about planning time to be together? Now for Debbie and I, After a a long week at work, we're both tired. So we have chosen to spend the time together on Fridays as much as possible at home, relaxing with a big bowl of popcorn and watching a movie or watching a television show because that's what we like to do together. And it helps us relax after a long work week. 
and then having open and honest communication. You'll be amazed at how much that builds a relationship when you spend time together, not necessarily talking about the children or talking about work, but just spending time talking about life and fun things that you like to do. I also want to add with honest communication, I think it's important for me to always let Weldon know how much I really appreciate him. As he stated, with bringing those flowers, there's never a time that I don't say thank you. I don't appreciate it because I know he's going out of his way to do that for me. And another thing with communication is that we dream together. We talk about our future together and that promotes unity and even excitement for our future. And lastly, I want to say as a woman that I pray for Weldon as well as for myself to know what are the things I do need to do in order to meet his needs. Yeah, in a home, it has to be a win-win type of attitude and type of atmosphere. You have to consider what will make this household function with peace, with unity, and with joy. And the best way to do that is to work on win-win type of solutions and type of actions. So I want to share some of the practical tips for creating a happy home. And some of these tips come from the secrets of happy families. One is eating dinner together. I know that may sound like a very simple thing to do, but you can get so much from having family dinners. And it doesn't mean that you have to do it every night of the week. You can choose one or two nights and it doesn't even have to be dinner. It could be breakfast, but it's just communing together. So it gives you that opportunity to sit down as a family or as a couple and share your thoughts, your ideas. You can learn so much about how your family's doing and what they're feeling or what they're thinking about. And then there's also uh, some research that goes with that. This study shows that children who eat dinner with their families are less likely to drink, smoke, do drugs, get pregnant, commit suicide, and develop eating disorders. Additional research found that children who enjoy family meals have a larger vocabulary, they have better manners, healthier diets, and higher self-esteem. Now, who wouldn't want all of these benefits for their children by doing something as simple as adding a family dinner together? It adds to family unity and togetherness, and especially with a couple. Now, there will be times when you all are doing separate things that you may not get a chance to eat together, but as often as possible, Plan to have a meal together and it doesn't have to always be in front of the television. Just sit at the table sometime and talk while you eat and you'll be surprised how much you get to know about one another and how much you start to enjoy being with one another. Another thing to do is share your family history. It is known that children who know the stories of those who came before them have a higher self-esteem and a sense of control over their lives. There's an added value of self and belonging when you connect to your genealogy and your family history. There are a number of genealogy and legacy research companies that help people to connect to their roots. I did it a few years ago and it really helped me to connect with a part of my family that I knew nothing about on both my mother and my father's side. 
it was very enriching to me. And I even made contact uh, with one or two of them and discovered you know, other relatives that I didn't know. And I was hoping that I could go back farther enough in my family's genealogy to discover that I was related to some type of king or some kind of royalty. But that just didn't happen. I'm just a regular person. A third tip that I want to share for creating a happy home is playing together, having fun together. This promotes unity and oneness with both the couple and the children. Next tip is with communication. There's a lot of things that's usually going on in a household, whether or not it has to do with your schedule or your uh, mate's schedule or the children's schedule with all the activities that kids are a part of today. So an easy way to help everybody stay with, I guess, open communication is to have a home calendar. Uh, You can use something that's visual that you have at home, or you can use your electronic device to keep your schedules together. It's also a good idea to use boards or some type of written communication that kids can see in order to keep household rules and expectations clear. Tip five is build and honor rituals. Earlier, Weldon talked about one of the things that we do often for date night is sit on a Friday and relax and have popcorn. That's a ritual. That's something that we've come to know every Friday. If nothing else comes up, this is what we'll be doing. We talked about family dinners. That's a ritual. A good thing to do with kids is to have bedtime stories. It is so uh, helpful for a child to know a routine of a day and to wind down in the evening with a bedtime story. Our birthday celebrations in our household for Weldon, it is always important for me to make his famous coconut cake. And that is a ritual for us. And it's also a way to celebrate his birthday. And then it's honoring achievements. There are so many things that your mate might do or your kids might do that you want to show special recognition to. As I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate celebrating all of the small things in life because life is too short. And if you don't think that celebrating a birthday is important or celebrating achievements in school or anniversaries are important, you're missing out on those things. And when you get down the road, you're going to look back and say, man, I wish I had celebrated this or I wish I had celebrated that. So I tell people now, Take the time to celebrate those small things. Take the time to let someone know that what they have done is good or just to let them know that you care about them and you celebrate the small things because in a person's mind, that adds up to big things as they gather these memories together about their family time. Another tip for creating a happy home is not arguing in front of the kids. If you and your spouse are having a disagreement that seems like it may go into an argument, before you get there, stop and have a conversation about whatever this is at a later time or at a later date away from the kids. Note that kids pick up on the vibes when things are not going right between their parents. And don't work excessively. You know, it's important for us to make a living to take care of our homes. But when work seems to be more important than the home, everyone in the household sees it. So if you have a missing parent because they're always at work, note that your children need you sometimes more than they need money or more stuff. 
I remember when my children were much younger, and at that particular time, I was working a part-time job. So after work, I would go to this part-time job, and I'd work for about three hours there before going home, and I'd have to work on Saturdays as well. Well, one day, Jared, who was the youngest at the time, asked me, Dad, why are you always at work? And that hit me like a ton of bricks, and I decided then that whatever it took and whatever cutbacks we had to make in our living, we were going to make that so that I didn't have to work a second job because I saw the impact on the family. And if my children noticed that, then that told me I was working too much. Even though I felt it was necessary at the time to provide a living, we just had to cut back on our standards of living for a while and spend more time as a family. Have some private jokes together and enjoy each other's humor. Now, there's a running joke in our household about gremlins coming in and messing up my bed. See, in the mornings, I'm the last one to get out. And if I'm in a rush, sometimes I don't make the bed. So when Weldon gets home, I'm like, those gremlins were back. They messed up our bed. And it's easier for us to laugh and joke about it than for me to have some stress about feeling like I have to be so perfect in the morning and got to have the bed made and got to have the room all in order before I leave. In one of our previous broadcasts, I talked about not being so serious and uh, becoming a 2.0 version of yourself. Where for me, that was learning to laugh at myself. So one of the things I do sometimes when I call Debbie up at work, when she picks up the phone, I'll start off by singing her a soulful <laughs> love song or, or just some other song that gets her to laugh. Well, one time when I called, I accidentally called the main line. And when the receptionist picked up the phone, I started singing that song to her. And I know it's thunder because she didn't say anything for a while. And then she said, uh, who would you like to speak to? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I was calling for my wife. But it was humorous. And I think she told Debbie about that. So now when I call Debbie at work, I'll say, may I speak to Mrs. Green before I start singing my love song. Another tip is to hand out hugs or show some sign of affection to both your children and your mate. And try to do this on a daily basis. In the mornings in my household, the Weldon's usually leaving earlier. He'll come by and kiss me to let me know that, hey, I'm going. And it shows me a sign of affection. And we do the same thing every evening upon his return or my return. Whoever comes in the house last, you go wherever that person is in the household and you greet them. Let them know that, hey, I missed you, it's good to see you, and I'm glad to be home. And what all of this is trying to do is to reduce stress in the home. We encounter a lot of stress in the workplace and our children at school. So when they get home, this should be a safe haven. And as much stress as you can take out of your home will be beneficial for everyone. And I know it's not easy because it's a matter of having to wind down and there may be other stressors already happening in the home. But it's something that you need to make an effort to do. An interesting thing when we talk about children and their parents and the time that they would like to spend with their parents and the stress in the home. In a survey of a thousand families, Ellen Galinsky, the head of the Families and Work Institute and the author of Mind in the Making, she asked children, if you were granted one wish about your parents, 
what would it be? Most parents predicted their kids would say spending more time with them. They were wrong. The kids number one wish was that their parents were less tired and less stressed. Now Debbie and I put a sign outside of our front door that says peace to all who enter here. And our doormat says shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace. And we work hard to make our house a peaceful home. So when people walk in, they feel the atmosphere of peace and relaxation and of love. It's not accidental. We work on making our home that way. And we put those signs out there to be a symbol of what someone can expect when they enter our home. One of the ways to reduce stress in a home is by empowering the children. See, kids do better when they help make plans for themselves or at least have a say in what they do. Scientists at the University of California and elsewhere found that kids who plan their own time, set weekly goals, and evaluate their own work build up their prefrontal cortex and other parts of the brain that help them exert greater cognitive control over their lives. These so-called executive skills aid children with self-discipline, avoiding distractions, and weighing the pros and cons of their choices. It also helps to buffer their complaint that you're controlling their lives and you really don't understand them and you're not listening to them. There are three books that we would like to recommend for couples and for family living. The first book is His Knees, Her Knees by Willard F. Harley Jr. This is a book for couples that helps them to affair-proof their marriage And it gives them insight into what a wife desires and what a husband desires in the relationship. The second book is Grace-Based Parenting by Dr. Tim Kimmel. And this book is designed to help parents to understand their children and not overreact to some of the things that they may do or say. And the final book we like to recommend is Raising Children You Can Live With. A Guide for Frustrated Parents by Jamie Racer. Well, that's all for today. We hope this cast was helpful and encouraging to you. And don't forget to send us your feedback and questions either by email or directly on the site you are listening to this cast. You can also rate this cast and give us a thumbs up. You can also send us some suggestions on topics you would like to hear us discuss. And remember, Tell someone about it and share the link on your social media site. We appreciate the help in getting the word out about our broadcast. Now, next week, we'll be discussing parenting a little deeper with the subject, Practical Parenting for Modern Day Children. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We hope you found it informative and encouraging, and we'd like to get your feedback. Whether you're listening on iTunes or on podbean.com, you can write a review about today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast and tell your family, friends, and colleagues about it. We appreciate your help. If you have a topic or question you would like us to discuss on one of our shows, send it to us by email at axweldonanddebbyoutlook.com. Tune in again next week for another broadcast of Ax Uncle Weldon and Aunt Debbie about dating, relationships, and family. God's blessings to you. Goodbye.